Hello, and welcome to Quovadis Institute's Rethink, a podcast that will supply you with thought-provoking approach to and reflection on some of the most challenging issues of our day. My name is Jasper Knecht, and I am delighted to be here today with Dr. Victoria Lorimer. Um, Victoria is originally from Perth um, and started her academic journey in the sciences with an undergraduate degree in genetics and biochemistry. Um, however, she heard the sweet voice of theology and switched um, and completed a master's in divinity uh, through the Australian College of Theology. Um, and during this time, uh, she also worked for the Western Australian government in the fields of science, innovation and neurodegenerative disorder research. Um, bringing together her interest in the societal issues and theology, she also completed a PhD at the University of Oxford and considered how a theological understanding of what it means to be human can engage the prospects of technologies that promise to enhance human characteristics and abilities. Dr. Lorimer is especially interested in how human imagination and creativity are understood in this context. Victoria, we are very honoured to have you here. Uh, welcome um, from Australia. Thanks, Jasper. It's really lovely to be here with you. Good. Thank you so much. Well, just to jump um, right in, um, the beginning, uh, your first paragraph of your article starts with kind of a looming, dooming vision um, of what some technologists or futurists in Silicon Valley um, would foresee or think the future of the increased capacities of AIs and robots could look like, um, the singularity, possible extinction of humanity. Um, quite quickly then, after that kind of picture that you give, you jump to the Christian tradition and the doctrine of eschatology, um, which you think is a very important and helpful base uh, for thoughtful engagement with AI. Could you just elaborate a little bit more for our listeners? What is eschatology and why do you think um, it is helpful to start at that point to help us think about AI and the future? Yeah, so we, we often talk about eschatology in terms of end times mm. or the future, but you know, really more accurately, if we are translating it from Greek, it's, it really just translates to the last things. Mm. So the study of eschatology is in part you know, about the future, mm. but it's also more generally about fulfillment, about, about the goal of creation and of salvation and how all of this relates to history. So it's much more than just that sort of future apocalyptic mm. focus that it often tends to, to carry with it. And the Christian tradition, you know, throughout history has spoken of, of the end in terms of glory, you know, these ideas of resurrection, the return of Christ, everlasting life, you know, the mm. eradication of suffering, uh, there's traditions within Christianity, such as Eastern Orthodoxy, mm. that have put, put a particular emphasis on, on things like deification. So this, this process where we actually become like God in the consummation of all creation. So, so these themes of eschatology are really strong in the Christian tradition. But then if we look at history more generally... We find for a good period of history, particularly in, in the aftermath of modernity, 
the prevalent ideas about the end of humanity were more materialistic, mm. um, even nihilistic, this kind of negative, we disappear into nothing. So I actually think that's where that comparison with AI and some of these visions of, of the singularity, which aren't all negative, by the way, a lot of them are positive, um, mm. particularly from transhumanist philosophy. Mm. I think it's really interesting that when we have sort of artificial intelligence technology and this transhumanist, which is, is just a philosophical movement that mm. promotes the enhancement of, of human characteristics through technology, all of these ideas, uh, more secular ways of thinking, are actually talking about glorious transcendent futures to humanity. So, of course, there are radical differences between a Christian vision of the future and, and some of these sort of techno-optimistic pictures. Mm. But I think it at least invites a comparison and, mm. and it opens up a conversation that it, that really there's agreement that right now the world isn't all it ought to be and, mm. and it can be more than it is. And that's, I think, a really good starting place to have conversations with theology. Yeah, I thought I thought that your approach was really, really quite helpful, especially in the broader context of the whole book. Um just to dive into just kind of the doctrine of eschatology, which which takes up the most part of your chapter a bit more um, deeply, you um, paint a picture of kind of broadly speaking, without oversimplifying any of this, you're not doing any of that, but broadly speaking, there's kind of three kind of camps you see. On the one hand, um, um, a strong understanding in which the now and the things to come kind of are in continuation with one another. They kind of grow into um, the future. One that sees a very strong kind of link or a gap between them. There's no kind of connection whatsoever. And then kind of a, a, a middle road via media, if you will, in which there's kind of a middle position between the two. Could you just kind of touch on those differences? What 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 do you think is relevant in those? Yeah, I'm happy to. Uh... And other theologians have done a much better job at describing those different approaches than me. So I draw a lot on the work of people like Jürgen Moldman mm. and N.T. Wright in, in painting those pictures. Uh, Wright in particular talks about the different ways that we think about heaven. Mm. So we can picture heaven as this, this total other place. You know, it's this real, it's our real home, the place that we go to when we die. And mm -hmm. often those pictures are really of a more spiritual place where our souls go once they sort of leave behind this present material world. It's mm -hmm. really Gnostic in outlook. But then there's this this complete opposite view of heaven. It's one that sees it as a place that we're building ourselves in the here and now. So that's that tends to be bundled up with what we call the myth of progress. Mm. So this idea that human civilization is sort of marching upward like through our own social efforts, through democracy, through technology, uh, we're, we're building a better world and we'll, we'll get to this perfect place mm. just through that process. So one view sort of sees the eschaton as completely separate from our present existence and experience, whereas the other one sees it as emerging almost naturally mm. out of our present experience. Mm. But as you mentioned, there is, in a way, a middle ground. Um, I, I'd really want to reject both of those views and say that instead we have to try, and, and it's not easy, it's a bit mind-bendy, but we have to think of the eschaton as something that breaks into our present world in a way that's radical and, and wholly new. But at the same time, there is 
a con- continuity between now and the eschaton. So, so the world as we know it still matters. Like it will continue to exist. It's not something that just gets scrapped and we start over. Mm-hmm. So we see eschaton as as a transformation, but not a destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's right. How he sort of positions those different ways of, of thinking about heaven. Mm-hmm. Maltman sort of explains it a bit differently, and his focus is talking about two different kinds of futures. Uh, And German's really helpful here because there's two different words for it that really get at that distinction. So futurum is this idea that the future is a continuation of a present. So that that sort of overlaps with that myth of progress idea Mm. that we will just get there through human effort and the passing of time. But then there's this second kind of future, an Adventist future, and that's this idea that the future arises from outside of time and space and it's this fulfilment of divine promise. Mm. And if we look at, so Adventist is actually the translation of the Greek word parousia, mm. which in theology uh, and in Christian usage is referring to the coming of Christ in glory. And it's not a coincidence that, that that's the same word there. Because according to the Christian gospel, God has already broken into history. So in the resurrection, we have a glimpse of what that Adventist future looks like. And that's, you know, that's why Christians pray as Jesus taught them, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we don't hope to leave earth for some other heavenly realm, uh, but the hope is that heaven and earth are going to be joined together under the reign of God in, in some new creation, a new work of creation that mm. is nevertheless continuous with the present. Mm. That's really helpful. So I think um, just uh, um, when you were speaking there, I th- the, the, the thing that came up in my mind, which is almost the kind of the standard theological answer to almost everything is like here and not yet yes and no you know it's kind of this Mm. there is something of it already around us but at the same time there is something that is still very mysterious and that is coming from um from another place in another like like plane of existence almost it's a reality that's still working its way out in history it's 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 not completed yeah so in that it is trying to say like it's not fully buying into this myth of progress as if, you know, we can just kind of work our way up to it. And at the same time, it's not something that is completely and foreign, completely and utterly foreign, as if we can do mm. with creation in the world, whatever we want, because it doesn't matter anyway, because there's no link with the eschatology. Yeah, and that's, a, you know, you, you touch on a really good point there. Like there's some really destructive thinking mm. uh, pinned to that kind of theology, really. You mm. know, that's that's the view that says, you know what, trash the planet. It doesn't mm. matter. We're going to get a new one. And, and I think that's absolutely against the gospel's sort of responsibility for, for care for creation. Yeah. So it is in emphasizing that, you know, we as human beings are created as human beings on earth. And that is where we'll like in in a kind of advantaged new recreated way but it will remain we will remain earthly earthbound kind of creatures who live on this earth and not yeah i think that's really helpful yeah and the, look there's so much mystery there but um if again if we we turn to the gospel and to the, to the resurrected jesus mm. you know, he was still recognizably mm. christ so there's some continuity there even mm. as he's walking around in a in a resurrected glorified body Mm. so if we kind of take your thinking further then and and say um okay there is something about this earth that is um kind of that that 
looks forward to the world to come and there is something that that continues how do you see a role for human beings to somehow participate in the bringing about of the world to come is that you know are we not um kind of leaning into a, a more hubris position where somehow we think we can kind of um force or create the world to come you know how do we balance on the one hand to say yes there is a place of our activity and on the other hand not to place the context and what that future looks like completely in our hands like how do you balance those two things in our looking at our own activity look it's a bit of a tightrope but you know, if we look at those two what I want to say are fairly erroneous ways of, of thinking about the future mm-hmm. like on the one hand you know it, it's going to be entirely different we don't have anything to do with it we're passively waiting you know that puts us off the hook for everything that mm-hmm. there's nothing we can do whereas you know the the version that says well we're building heaven here entirely through our own efforts that's that's certainly the hubris mm-hmm. outlook mm-hmm. Uh, trying to chart a middle course in there uh absolutely i think there's a role for us because even though we anticipate a breaking into our present existence by God and, and we maintain that the new creation is ultimately God's work, by grace we actually get to partner in this. And, mm. and actually I think the mission of the church is to be a foretaste of that eschatological hope. You know, mm. What we also call the kingdom of God is the term that, that we come up against in the gospel. And that's a huge responsibility. So we serve the world by forming communities that reveal God's love for creation, that, that celebrates its goodness, that, that laments its pain and anticipates its renewal. And, and part of that actually means using our knowledge and our imagination and our skills to build towards that new creation that we're awaiting. Hmm. So is that why you um, kind of, because in your article, you kind of bring it at the end, you try to kind of bring it back to AI. Is that why? this this idea of being co-creators is is something you emphasize in your article because we participate in that kind of creature like um that act of god to create and to continue the creation that he started yeah i think it's really important because particularly when it comes to emerging technologies like ai and, and robotics you know technologies that start infringing on our understanding of what makes us human or or giving us ability to alter ourselves in in profound ways that we haven't really imagined or been able to do in the past your know, religions often perceived as being pessimistic mm. uh, this idea of playing god comes up a lot that you know we're overstepping some kind of hard boundary between creature and creator mm. but actually i think if we reflect on it through eschatology and we look at um, an understanding of creation that sees us as partners with god you're know, very junior partners of course but mm-hmm. partners nonetheless in working toward a transformed creation that will at, at the same time share continuities with our present world Mm. then we can actually reflect on ai and on other technologies and see that they actually do have a place in that narrative so so they're not just ruled out from the outset and marked off as prohibited you know forbidden territory Mm. instead we can actually start to view them like many other technologies and and aspects of human existence you know Mm. things that are not all good but also not wholly evil 
but actually they need wisdom and discernment in how we use them. And that that's what brings us squarely into the territory of ethics, mm. the space for reflecting and weighing up how we act and what we do with the knowledge that's yielded by science and by philosophy and, and other areas of thinking. Mm. Look, and actually, I think we need to remember as well that eschatology isn't just speculation about the future. Mm. Uh, actually, it reconfigures our perceptions and our experience of the present as well and, and what it means for how we live now. So instead of focusing just on end of days scenarios and sort of apocalypticism mm. in, in that narrow sense, we start to see that questions like what is what does a good life look like or what is my vocation or what does it look like for creation to flourish? Like, mm. These are actually all eschatological questions. Be- because they are, and I'm, I'm just kind of um, asking, but, and that is because the kind of Christian eschatological hope that you talk about is not only a hope for like a time that is far away from the future that we know that one day it will be okay, which mm-hmm. will, but that there is something about that hope that includes something about the here and now in which we are invited to step into. Is that and and it is that hope which is bound up with this eschatological kind of end that creation we think is heading towards that influences the ethics that then helps us to reflect helpfully about AI. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Eschatology is not just a distant future. It's about how we're living now. Great. Well, Victoria, thank you so much for um, these couple minutes you spent with us. Um, It was really helpful to to hear those thoughts. Um, And if you are interested in reading Victoria's work a bit more, um, her article is um, included in the book, The Robot Will See You Now, which is available online. Um, And she's written much more. So do look her up. Um, And Victoria, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for this session of the Quo Vadis Institute's podcast, Rethink. And I trust you have been inspired and encouraged to do just that, Rethink.